0: SR News. Faith Talk 570 WTBN, Pinellas Park, 910 WTWD, Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Tim LaHaye says, moral fidelity among homosexuals is almost unknown. Even those who enter into a lifetime love relationship with another usually play the field frequently. One psychologist writer suggests that it is not uncommon for a homosexual to have relations with as many as 2,000 different people in a lifetime, even, he says, even if he's only half right in his estimate, such promiscuity taxes the imagination of even the most immoral heterosexual. You see, the intensity of lust is abnormal.
0: How do you reason with someone who insists and actually seems to be convinced that what God says is wrong is actually right? How can you persuade them of their need to repent and trust Christ? The short answer is that you can't. You can only continue to hold forth the truth of God's Word and pray that the Holy Spirit will use the inevitable results of their behavior to wake them up before it's too late. We are surrounded by a culture that has largely rejected God's standards of right and wrong and in many cases has actually reversed them. But this is not a new situation. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida where he has been serving for more than 26 years. These daily radio Bible classes are an extension of that expository or verse-by-verse preaching ministry. Pastor Steve is leading us in a tour of the first three chapters of Romans dealing with an uncomfortable subject, the wrath of God. In fact, one of the objects of God's wrath is a behavior so vile that Paul didn't even want to mention it. Yet it's a behavior that today is not only widely accepted, It is actually promoted in many of our public schools. If you can follow in your Bible, keep a finger there in Romans chapter 1 and turn to Ephesians chapter 5.
1: Then I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I think this is important. Ephesians chapter 5 is a very, very critical text in understanding where we're going this morning in our study of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is basically this message. Paul says, here's who you are in Christ. You are the redeemed. You are the forgiven. You are the ones who have been set apart. You are different. Here's how you are before God. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, he's basically saying, here's how you ought to behave before men. Based on what you are before God, now behave that way before men. And so he's constantly telling the Ephesians to be different. Not to be the way they, they used to be. And he says in chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, but do not let immorality or impurity or, or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. So, he says, I don't want to hear that there's one instance of it. He doesn't mean you don't talk about it ever in a wholesome way. He means I, I don't want it to be even, even said that one is involved in that. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting. It means filthy jokes, which are not fitting. But he said, you want to do something, then you give thanks. Giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying that believers never fall into this. He's simply saying that one who who practices this as a lifestyle and is convinced that this is a proper fitting lifestyle, is certainly evidencing that he's not a believer. He's an idolater. And then he goes on to say in verses 6 through 12, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He says, don't let anybody tell you it's all right. You know, there's liberty in Christ. Go ahead and do it. He said, I want you to know that the the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience for this. It's basically Romans 1. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you're light, and the Lord walk then as children of light, be different, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness of truth, doesn't consist in, in filthiness and immorality. Trying to learn what's pleasing to the Lord, you see, a believer doesn't practice, doesn't want to practice what's not pleasing to the Lord, he is constantly looking to please the Lord, and the Lord is not pleased by immorality. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but what? Instead, even expose them. Show them for what they really are. Speak out against them. Now watch verse 12. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Paul says, The pagan world practices such hideous, wicked sin behind closed doors that believers are not even allowed to speak about the details of that sin. Don't even fill your minds thinking about that. Now, I want you to understand what Paul is saying. It is not disgraceful to identify wicked behavior. In fact, you must do that if you're going to obey this passage. You must expose it for what it is. Paul is not saying that it's wrong to talk about it. But he says, it is disgraceful to discuss the details of their wickedness. And having said that, I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 1. Because this morning, we must expose the wickedness of homosexuality. That's in the passage. And I want you to know there's something in me that doesn't even want to preach about this. And yet I feel that I must I feel that we need to have integrity with the biblical text. God doesn't avoid it. It is not only a wicked sin back then, it was not only prevalent in that society, it is prevalent in our society, and it is on the rise. It is estimated that there are about 10 million practicing homosexuals in our country. And so what we need to do is what Paul does. He identifies without giving the details, and we are not going to deal in detail with this. It is a shame to do that. But he identifies the vilest example of mankind's sexual impurity. He's not saying that everybody in the pagan world practices this. He's just saying that this is how far man is capable of going. Remember the overall picture. He's talking about man's unrighteousness. He's not giving a discourse on homosexuality, but he takes as one example a specific example of mankind's sexual uncleanness by stating the sin of lesbianism and homosexuality. When God lets man run his own life and pulls back divine restraint, man has the capacity to even go beyond natural lust to the perverted lust for members of the same sex. Verses 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural or really, literally, against nature, against natural laws. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now in spite of what many would have us believe, no one is born a homosexual. It is not a normal preference for some. It is abnormal. It is a sin. It is not a genetic defect is not a hormonal problem. No one was ever born a homosexual. In fact, in one technical sense, you could say that no one is really a homosexual. Only in one sense. It's just a matter of of sinners practicing homosexual acts. In another sense, there is that way of expressing it. What is it? It is learned behavior. Homosexuality is learned behavior that stems from an initial homosexual experience followed by positive homosexual thought patterns and then more homosexual experience. It is learned behavior. It is conditioning the mind to go in that direction. It is not the natural bent of a man or a woman. It must be learned. It must be thought of in a certain way. There must be positive thoughts there. There must be sexual fantasies going in that direction. It must be experienced and then followed up with thought patterns and then delving more into the sinful behavior. It is a sin. No one is a homosexual because they had a passive father and a dominant mother. That may have encouraged them to go in that direction. There, there, is, uh, there is a predisposition that some people have in which they are more tempted in that area. If they had a childhood experience, a very traumatic sexual childhood experience, they could be more predisposed to go in that direction. But a predisposition does not make one a homosexual. A temptation is not sin. A person is homosexual when they practice that. It is a sin. And Paul makes that very clear in verse 26 and verse 27. He says that these passions are degrading. They are degrading passions. And they dishonor the body. And they are activities that are against nature. Now it doesn't take a genius to figure out that it is against the laws of nature for women to have relations with women and for men to have relations with men. You, you just don't have to be a PhD to figure that out. That is against the natural laws. It is against the way God has made men and women. Genesis chapter one, and we're going to be looking at some of these passages in the Word of God. Genesis chapter one, very clearly, in the beginning, the Bible says in God, verse 27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. There was no third kind. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply man and a woman. Not another way in which there is an impossibility of multiplication. Verse 26 says that for their women exchange the natural function for that which is against nature in the in the original greek language it doesn't just say for their women it says for even their women that word even is important in other words for even women who are the pure more modest of the sexes even she became worse than an animal in her sexual perversions by the way there to our knowledge there are no homosexual animal activity it's just man You see, with men who have generally the stronger sex drives, it's not as shocking to hear about that. But Paul is saying, even their women, pagan society went so far that even women function like this.
0: It is a sin. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida will be back in a minute with some shocking statistics. But first, he has an important announcement before we get back to our study of Romans chapter 1.
2: Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. I wanted to take a few moments today to tell you how pleased I am that you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify God. I hope that you've been learning and growing in your faith as you've listened to our broadcasts. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that verse by verse needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, which is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse.
0: Now here is Pastor Steve with the second half of today's lesson.
1: Verse 27. Not only does God call it degrading passions and say it's against nature, but he says that men burned in their desire towards one another. In other words, there was a burning with lust. It was an all-out endeavor to satisfy their depraved nature. Now, I have done a lot of research about this and given these things a lot of thought. There are things that I have read and heard that I would not even say from the pulpit. There are things that should not even be repeated. That the burning, lustful passions of a homosexual relationship is far different and intensified than a heterosexual relationship. Tim LaHaye in his book, which I highly recommend, called Unhappy Gay, says this. Tim LaHaye for years was a pastor, and many of you have heard of him from his book on temperaments. He says, Moral fidelity among homosexuals is almost unknown. Even those who enter into a lifetime love relationship with another usually play the field frequently. One psychologist writer suggests that it is not uncommon for a homosexual to have relations with as many as 2,000 different people in a lifetime. Even, he says, even if he's only half-right in his estimate, such promiscuity taxes the imagination of even the most immoral heterosexual. During the past 25 years that I have been counseling people, I have interviewed many sexually promiscuous individuals, but none even came close to that number of different affairs. You see, the intensity of lust is abnormal. Verse 27 says, indecent acts, which means shameless, disgraceful acts. There's no question about it. Homosexuality is defined in Romans chapter 1 as a sin. It's a perversion. In fact, you could even go further than a perversion. It is an inversion of God's design for men and women. But I want you to know, and this is why we have to spend some time on it, what we're hearing today is that it's not a sin. It's a biological drive. I, I was born with it, they say. It's a genetic defect. I'm a I'm a woman in a man's body, or vice versa. And I want you to know it's not just the liberals who are saying that in the sense of secular liberalism. It is It is many who are religious leaders who are saying that. Certainly not born-again believers, but the religious community. In fact, the Minnesota Council of Churches, representing a million people, 45% of the state's religious population said in 1982, and I quote, there may be creative and whole expressions of one's sexuality at various levels in relationships between men and women, between men and other men, between women and other women. The Reverend G. William Sheik, director of the National Council of Churches, Family Ministries, and Human Sexuality Program said this, it is simply not true that the Bible has a single and clear position on homosexuality and that the biblical position was that homosexuality was a sin against nature not to be tolerated in society. If you think that these are voices that don't represent the religious world, then consider that there is even a denomination of churches who claim to be evangelical, made up purely of homosexuals. They're called the Metropolitan Community Churches, and they are all over our country, in fact, all over Canada, in fact, all over the world. They have hundreds of thousands of people who go there. There's probably one in Tampa. That has branched off into Roman Catholics having groups like this and even gay synagogues In fact, there's a book that's just recently published uh, about lesbian nuns who have finally come forth and admitted their sexual preference and what does the Bible say about this and and uh, we want to deal with that because many would have us to believe that the Bible uh, doesn't condemn this and they in fact some would try to justify the Bible by using the Bible and saying that it's alright uh, some would say that, well, David and Jonathan had a homosexual relationship. Some would say that Naomi and Ruth had a homosexual relationship. Now, beloved, if you look, and we're not going to take the time to look at those passages about David and Jonathan but and, and Naomi and Ruth, but if you look at those texts and you see the literature that is coming out specifically from the Metropolitan Community Church, whose pastor, by the way, Troy Perry started out in a fundamental Bible school if you look at that literature what they're saying in the biblical text that they use you would understand that that only people have a, a perverted view of things would would dare take David and, and Jonathan's relationship as being homosexual there is no indication in the text yeah biblical integrity you don't come up with that those kind of views but what does the Bible say about that well the first place the Bible deals with homosexuality is Genesis chapter 19. And that is the story, and you need to turn there, because this is the pivotal passage in the Bible, as well as Romans chapter 1. Genesis chapter 19 is a story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And most of you know the background of this, the angels, two angels, God would not come there, two angels come to visit Lot in Sodom, Lot takes them into, their, into his house. In fact, he says in verse 2, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your ser- servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, however, no, we'll spend the night in the square. We'll, we'll spend it out in the open. Lot urged them strongly. In other words, Lot was really saying, in essence, you don't understand this place. You, you, you can't be outside. Not here. He urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Before they lay down, in other words, before they went to sleep, retired that evening, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. And what they mean is have sexual relations with them they weren't saying we'd like to get to know these people we'd like to introduce ourselves maybe become pen pals what they mean is sexual relations that's how the word is used in Genesis uh, Cain knew his wife and so forth it means they had sexual relations but Lot went out to them at the doorway and he shut the door behind him and he said please my brothers do not act wickedly now behold I have two daughters who have not had relations with men please let me bring them out to you and and do to them whatever you like only do not do to these men as much as they have come under the shelter of my roof. that's a hideous thing that Lot did and Lot said look I have two virgin daughters I'll offer them to you only don't touch these men now Lot was absolutely wrong he shouldn't have offered his his daughters but at least Lot understood what they wanted and in Lot's thinking and we're not saying this is right but in Lot's thinking he felt that that raping their daughters would be better than raping these men but they said and they they wanted nothing to do with these women they said stand aside furthermore they said this one came in as an alien and already he's acting like a judge now we'll treat you worse than them so they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door But the men, that is the angels, reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. Then the men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city. Bring them out of the place, for we are come to destroy this place, because their, their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now, you know how the pro-homosexual church theologians read this story? And you know what their conclusions are? They say Sodom's sin was really a lack of hospitality. Now, I kid you not. They say Sodom's sin was a lack of hospitality. They say that Lot angered the men of Sodom by receiving foreigners whose credentials hadn't been examined. And they thought they were spies. They say that their sin was being extremely discourteous, to these guests. I want you to know that, and I don't even, it's hard for me to even try to explain that. It's so obvious, but if, if sin was being discourteous to strangers, that was a sin, then, then why did Lot offer his two virgin daughters? Now, lack of hospitality is a sin. No question about it, but God doesn't destroy cities because of the sin of lack of hospitality. And why would, would uh, lack of hospitality make them so lustful as to seek the door after being blinded? Only the perverted passions of obsession with homosexuality could do that. And, and Jude chapter, well, Jude verse 7 is a common, you don't need to turn there, but, but Jude says that the sin of Sodom was going after strange flesh.
0: That's not the only place in the Bible that deals with homosexuality. But we are about out of time for today. Pastor Steve will have more next time. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreeloff is our instructor. For over 26 years, Pastor Steve has been serving as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily broadcasts are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry. Supported through the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who are first faithful to their own churches. Today's class was the middle of a three-part message. You can order a CD or a cassette if you'd like to hear the whole message at once. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 727- 441-1714. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. You will find not only today's class, but archives of many previous classes right there at the website. That's versebyverseradio.org. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. There is a cure for homosexuality and for every other sin which besets us. Find out more on the next Verse by Verse. Deepening your faith. Sincerity is not what saves you who saves you. So may I ask you today, have you decided to trust Jesus as your Savior? These were hours of decision, and this is an hour of decision for you today. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTB.